Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast. So this episode is all about dreams because a certain someone on the Patreon who we'll just call Calypso came up with the most amazing, what would you say it is? It's a saying I suppose, is it? Or concept? Hashtag. Right. <laughs> called, uh, what is it Chris? What's it called? A dream hangover. A dream hangover. Now, what yeah. the hell is a dream hangover, I hear you ask? So, Chris, what, what is a dream hangover? Well, it's like when you get pissed off at your boyfriend all day because of something he did in a dream. It's that kind of hangover of feelings of whatever they are leaking into the rest of your day. So, when you carry things over from what happened in a dream to your yeah. waking life, yeah, I think the Patreon that we were talking about obviously was referring more to a kind of feeling or a sense that kind of sticks in the air still after right. a after a dream. So, but equally, it can be you know, oh, you shagged that bird in the office. Why did you shag that bird in the office? I didn't love. I didn't. Honest. It You're was like, just yeah, a you dream. did. It was just a dream. Well, speaking of things that carry over to the physical world and sticky, what about sticky bedsheets? Is that dream hangover or is that another type of dream? No, that's a wet dream, Liam. Why do you have to (laughs) drop it to that level? This isn't Fausty. Well, that's a real life, but that's a real world manifestation, isn't it? That's some serious magic, that. When you were, you know... (laughs) Something in the in the dream world you conjure up and then it actually materialises in the physical world. I mean, that's some serious magic, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's, that's something to do with biology and psychology. Which, yes, it has, has its point in magic. But I don't think that counts entirely and necessarily as sex magic. Okay. Right. So, um, sexy time dreams don't class as sex magic? Is that what you're saying? Well, it depends, doesn't it? Doesn't there have to be another party present in the sex dream? Well, yeah, but there might be in the sex dream, but it'll be a dream. Yeah, but exactly. Is that just a dream or is that an astral an astral journey? Well, I don't know. I think people are going to go and have to do some homework and investigating on such things. <laughs> Yeah, and then explain it to their partners. <laughs> right, so where are we going today then? We're talking dreams and that. I suppose we should say some kind of golden nugget gnosis and, and stuff like that. Uh, let's see what we can come up with. Um, okay, so the dream state is the state between this world and the astral world. It's kind of like in that film The Matrix, you know? Where they've got the Matrix, but then there's also like that, if you remember the film, they got that like training program where you're not kind of in the Matrix, but you are in a virtual reality. That's kind of like the dream. So the way obviously I normally explain is uh, if your conscious mind is in your physical body, that's kind of like you in your house, because the house is a physical object inside, locked in the house type thing. The dream state might be like the garden, so you're kind of out there. You know, you can see a little further. You're exposed. And, and, and 
everything else is a little bit noisier that's coming outside of the garden. So obviously outside of your garden would be the big bad world, which would be the astral world. And you know, if you look at um, possession and such, then the through road, what they would do if you're breaking into someone's house, because of course possession is essentially some spirit coming from the astral world through the garden into your house and that's either invited because you throw open the doors and call them in or they just force their way in and that's called breaking and entering and that's very much frowned upon in the physical world yep are you drinking cider <laughs> yeah i wasn't aware that we were allowed to drink during these <laughs> I've needed it this week. I've worked hard. Okay. I might. Uh, this might have to be... This This could take things to a whole new level if we both started drinking cider during the podcast. <clears throat> I don't think you should be allowed to drink. You can't be trusted. <sighs> okay, so dreams. So what we kind of described, if we're thinking of them in the garden, I get a lot of people, Chris, that talk a little bit about... Um, interpretation of dreams spirits coming to them in dreams the dead coming to them in dreams that kind of thing and i've always said well it's a lot easier for someone in the astral because if they're dead they're essentially a spirit aren't they so they haven't got a physical body so they're kind of a philandering about um floating about in the astral it's a lot easier for them to talk to you if you're pottering in the garden than if you're in your house and also they can wave you down over the fence yeah exactly they can just wave over the fence or what they do like the postman they'd wander in into the garden and come to knock on your door and i don't know what you do with the postman but i don't let the postman in well he really wants to write and send letters to you anyway (sighs) rude apart from my friend lady poison you get more care packages from Lady Poison than what I do. And I feel a bit bad because I consider her to be my friend more so than your friend. Because I knew her first. Yeah, but I'm everybody's favourite, let's face it. No, that's not true at all. I know people that can't stand you. <laughs> I'm sure you do. So anyway, we've got to take this back to the dreamland, the dream world and the like. So, you know... Talk a bit kind of about etheric kind of dreams and stuff. Do you put a lot of weight in dream interpretation? Because I get a lot of mundanes ask me, oh, I had a dream, Liam. I had this dream. And what does it mean? What does it mean, Liam? Do you put a lot of weight in that? Not massively, but that's because dreaming is that processing time for you and your your thoughts and your unconscious mind joining up with your conscious mind and allowing it to have that conversation decide where things are being stored process things that have happened all that sort of thing but it is a liminal space so by being a liminal space it allows entrance for other entities if you were having a recurring dream i'd want you to i'd expect you to analyze that a little bit deeper than oh, I just dreamed about this alien with 65 tentacles uh, and, you know, big laser eyes and shit. I think it was a demon. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, that's, that's a, (laughs) your brain trying to do something that it should be trying to do. 
you know, if there are no triggers for any of it, then do you just have a vivid imagination? Um, it's 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 one of those. It's it's to be done with caution. Can I you think remember... keeping dream, dream journals can be useful. Yeah, but... I was going to say, can you remember the last dream interpretation you were asked to give? And how long would it have been? Um. Um, well, I've probably been asked more frequently than I would like. Whether or not I actually responded is a different matter. Um, because I think if it's your dream, you fucking deal with it, in my opinion. Because it's you that's going to understand the nuances of it, not what somebody else has written in a book. Oh, yeah, I understand. hundred years ago. I, I put no weight whatsoever in the books, the dream interpretation books. But I do find that... I don't know whether I just psychic in on it, but I do find when people explain their dreams and what happened, because it's never a full dream, they don't understand that. They never, ever, ever recall the full dream. They might feel like they recall a lot of the dream or all of it, but they never really recall, you know, recall all of it. But I do find this kind of obvious. Entrance and exit, isn't it? The overall theme I find in dreams is generally pretty obvious. I've never yeah. really thought, oh, this is going to be difficult to explain. It's always, to me, it's always kind of felt second nature. And I've wondered, like, would you not relate this symbolically? Because obviously dreams, symbology, symbols, the language of the universe, I suppose. Um, I always find it quite simple. And I don't quite get why people don't see that. Even if you tell them, well, think of the symbology in it and then apply that to the real world. People still don't yeah. seem to get that. I think I think it's because they want it to be more telling than it necessarily is. Like I said, if someone's having a recurring dream or there is a theme running along several nights, so it might ne- not necessarily be the same images, but it might be that the space is always the same. I'd be then saying, OK, well, what does that space mean to you rather than necessarily the whole dream? But it's just... Yeah, I suppose the only... Sorry, I'm still trying to rack my brain for the last time I was asked for a dream interpretation. The only ones I can really think of are the ones we've are the, when I've set them as homework. So when, when I've got someone to kind of, you know, track their energetic relationships with planets or the zodiac or something, um, and kind of where they've entered this semi-lucid dream arrangement. Um, but that's not the same as just dreaming. So, you know someone have a, a mundane having a generic dream oh, probably years ago really okay. normally it's after they've spent an extended amount of time with me and they start having the weird prophetic dreams that's normally when i have to have those kind of conversations it's funny because i'm thinking about the last dream interpretation i did but i can't remember a lot about the dream but i remember exactly what the dream meant Okay. Well, that's I tend probably to the only important bit. Things. Well, that's the important bit, surely. Well, it is. Is the use of it. But it wasn't my dream. Yeah. No, I had someone run up to me and they said, as usual, oh, Liam, I need you to tell me about this dream. I need you to tell me about this dream. It's weird. Oh, I never dream. I never dream. But this time I did a dream and I remember all of it. Oh, it's so vivid. Blah, 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 blah. To cut a long story short, it was along the lines of someone um, 
I think it was something like a woman was moving themselves in and um, I think they moved into the house and then refused to leave and was really, uh, wasn't treating the property of the person very well. And I said, well, okay. I'll apply this straight away. Your fiancé has a son who, although has spent a lot of time in prison, is now out of prison is yeah. and now keeps getting himself into debt. And your fiancé is going to have to use a lot of his savings to bail that person out. That isn't technically happening yet because your fiancé doesn't know that yet. However, the person, (laughs) the son in question, is currently racking up the debt. Enough for you to sense in your dream and your dreams are a warning you. Because this person is quite, you know, a little psychic. They don't go along that kind of route and are a bit scared of that sort of thing. Having said that, I did get them to do a banishing in a house once to clear a spirit. So, you know, (laughs) they don't believe, but they came a running to me saying my earth, there's a spirit in it. Things are moving about. And I said, do this, this and this. And they went and done it and it works. So they are sensitive enough to be able to sense spirits and they can uh, manipulate the energy enough to actually clean them. But this person still doesn't uh, necessarily call themselves a witch or isn't entertaining the idea of training further but um yeah whenever there is dreams whenever there is dreams it's always a warning with this person and it was kind of obvious that it would be get ready because your fiance is going to go through a little bit of a turmoil you're going to get dragged in and you as a couple are going to have to bail out you know his son from a previous marriage type thing so i just said look preparing yourself prepare yourself and uh, well, what happens? There we go. That's what happened. <laughs> but yeah. to me, it was obvious, and I don't understand why the person didn't see that, because I just go by the character of oh, there's a, lot- a person that's close by that he can't move, so he's an immovable person, and yep. they're taking advantage, and it's kind of a repeat kind of process over and over again. And I kind of just applied it to, well, what's going on with that kind of family, you know, environment? Oh, there's someone that isn't hers, technically, but is close by. So it's not really her son, but essentially if she's marrying the dad, it kind of is because he's her stepkid. You know, that kind of thing. But anyway, that was a little bit of a dream interpretation. I don't like doing dream interpretations, although I do find it amusing to listen to people's dreams. And the reason I don't like doing it is because you think, oh, interpret their dreams. You give them, much like psychic readings, which is one of the reasons why I don't work as a psychic anymore. Um, You give them the advice, you tell them what's going on, and then they come back to you and said, yeah, everything you did happened. I wish I'd acted on it. What do I do now? And it's kind of the same old thing over and over again. Because I guarantee, as this person's going through the thing at the moment with that person, that if the dream's supposed to prepare you, I would take precautions, you know? And I would be thinking, (laughs) what can I learn from this whole process? Obviously, this individual, the son, is very (laughs) unstable. And it probably would be better for him to be banged up back again in prison. But, you know, he's on the scene every time he's in trouble and needs something. And that happens every couple of months to year, you know. So I'm kind of like, this needs to be nipped in the bud. You need to do something about this, you know. And then I suggest, well, why don't you know? He's not yours. And, you know, you don't want to 
go to the dad because the dad obviously gets taken advantage of and has been taken advantage of throughout his old old life he spoiled the kid that's his fault but we could have used the magic you know but then all of a sudden it gets too scary oh no i don't want to do that all oh, that's scary oh no i can't do that all oh, that's bad it's like i'll oh, go away then yeah those sorts of people really annoy me I have the odd one of those that comes into in and out of my life. They're the ones that would make really good witches, but are too scared of things going wrong to actually try. Um, and this often happens a lot with those people that actually call themselves witches. But, you know, the ones that actually have a real natural talent and you can see things trying to reach out for them and they're just too scared to invite them in um but yeah dream interpretation for me is tricky I, I, I don't i don't like i don't enjoy those kind of conversations it's fine when they're kind of talking about it it's the well what do you what do you think i'm like oh, i don't think i should tell you what i think because i don't think you can cope with what i think um and like you've just said you'll ignore me anyway so if you were going to actually make some effort, because let's face it, these people, and it goes back to the psychic readings again, these people that constantly go and see these, uh, see these people and ask over and over again the same questions are not people that are ever going to do anything about it. So, you know, they just want to keep paying their 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever it is, quid a time to be told something that they're not going to act on anyway. Um, and then they might bring it up in a coffee shop a couple of months later when it's when it's all happened and they didn't do anything about it, and then they'll go back to see the psychic again. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I kind of see the way I treat the dream state to me is like extra time on a football match, right? So the work's <laughs> supposed to be done either in your physical body or in the astral body you know i don't really do a lot of work on dream time but in dream time that's when like you said obviously your unconscious mind organizes your thoughts and all that but that is when you're quite easy to um you know it's easy for you to tune into things and it's easy for things to contact you in a kind of a passive way so when i think of if I was doing some work, say, spying on someone, or if I was doing some work trying to investigate something or do some sort of magic, I'm putting a lot of effort in. And I do a ritual or I do some scrying in that as part of the magical working or operation. And then the operation's over, right? But then, obviously, I have to go to sleep every night. I go to sleep and then kind of there's a continuation or a theme in the dream. I kind of see that as all oh, these are little extras, like the PS postscript <laughs> on the end of a letter. It's kind of like, I don't do the work yeah. there, but very often if I dream about the thing, there'll be little nuggets that I kind of missed <laughs> before. So I kind of tend yeah. to think of it more, less about I go and do specific work in dreams personally and but i think more, it more as if it's kind of like the net that drags behind catching up anything that i didn't didn't quite remember or didn't quite think about and then other things yeah. might want to get involved if i'm a bit too fortified sometimes with certain magical operations spirits might struggle to contact me 
at least the weaker ones or the more earthbound ones as well so they tend to visit in dreams because that's the easiest thing for them to manifest so or the lower astral realm on my beach that i like my private beach i have a private beach people on the astral some people have their fortifications and their great you know astral castle and that i have a beach okay um I know we do set homework though, don't we? Because we do the kind of stereotypical homework, you know. People try and I think it's again, the secret to that is getting them to work through and start communicating with their unconscious mind. So to start paying attention. And because in the physical world, your conscious mind tends to take over and, you know, going into meditation, whether it's active meditation or your kind of stereotypical sit there cross-legged and go um kind of meditation that kind of supposed to bring in the unconscious mind but for a lot of people people struggle with that and if they want to work some magic quickly programming or particularly when it comes to finding out information programming something physical even if it's writing down questions or putting something physical as a representation under the pillow or under the bed and then go into sleep intending for that information to come to you that can kind of that works quite easily i mean it's hardly perfect and it's hardly sophisticated but as a kind of bootstrapping magic i think that that tends to work a lot better particularly for psychic work than go and take a quick tarot course because you aren't getting the kind of you know that you are getting all of the information you're having to work through it and that and is building a foundation there whereas a lot of these kind of divination systems particularly when it comes to the ones like the pendulums and the ouija boards and that kind of thing you're kind of like well it's text speak or it's uh, trying to spell it out super simply and i kind of think well ditch your shitty for divination systems that are only supposed to give you yes and no answers and just go for a dream interpretation Go for a dream. You get a much better read. Yeah, I think you'll get more information as well. You will get more information than that than you will from a fucking pendulum. I can assure you. But um, I don't know. Because this this is obviously inspired by one of our patrons. One of our Patreon saints. uh, Codenamed Calypso. Um, She came up with the dream hangover kind of thing. She also came up with that other one that was really good. Spiritual potato. So we'll have, to do a, we'll have to do a podcast on that. That was pretty brilliant. Um, and uh, I suppose we should put a couple of things in for her as well. Because obviously she's, what would we say, a desert sea witch? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we called her. An ancient sea witch. Yeah. Yeah, she's a little she's a little behind with the times, you see. I think when she's used to working, she was used to working with places where there was oceans. But now in this current um this current year, <laughs> two thousand and twenty one we're in, some of those oceans aren't where they were left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's an interesting one. Um yeah, I think we probably won't get into those till extra time, but we'll make sure we cover some dream walking because I think we've got a few of the patrons that would like to know a bit more about that. All I'll say okay. in this part is obviously when we're talking about dream walking, it's what I call it's it's you know a phrase I use. So whether or not there is a 
insta which version of this i don't know but obviously it's what i call it so when you go kind of wandering across from what what your dream to somebody else's um so kind of still touching on the not quite on the hedge kind of situation but you're kind of skirting the astral um and just kind of going from one uh one unconscious mind to another um and it allows you to do some kind of reconnaissance but also you know my favorite thing fuck with people so you know like so those are the those are normally the options that i would uh, use if i was going to go for a little dream walk little okay so you you share a, a, um, a time when you uh, messed with someone and then i'll do the same thing because that's that I've not really thought about that. I mean, that's kind of your go-to with dream walking. It's pretty boring following someone's dreams. Um, there's better mm. things to do. But if you are wanting to mess with someone, dreams are really, really good. Because I re- it reminds me of that um that film, um Inception, where they kind of implant ideas. And if you do yeah, implant, it is very true. If you implant ideas and things by messing with someone's dreams, the it kind of does feel to the person like it's come from them. Yeah. So we should probably go into a little bit more about that. But I think everyone listening is going to want a story because they like stories where we go and mess people up okay. using magic. Okay. So you do your one oh. and then I'll do mine. When I first started doing it in my teens, it was kind of not entirely intentional. And then it kind of stretched it on from that. And for me, it was like, well, you know how people talk about, uh, you know, we were talking about it the other day, one of the clients about kind of a, a series, of, a hall with a series of doors. Um, well, mine don't happen like that. It's kind of like a series of doors that are attached to rooms. So you go through one room, there's a door into the next room. And I just go from one person's head to the other uh, until I get to the house that I recognise, if that makes sense um back in the old days now it's obviously a bit more um comprehensible but back then it was just kind of like oh i know well i'm only so many streets away from such and such i'll just piggyback from dream to dream um until i find the head that i'm supposed to be in but yeah the sorts of stuff i would do is just kind of (laughs) yeah kind of tweak with memories or be somewhere you're not supposed to be um, because that really messes with people is when they don't expect you to see see you in a scene that is clearly because at the end of the day you've got to remember dreams are fairly personal um, at least half of the time where your brain is trying to process shit that you've been dealing with all week months years etc so it's like I said processing time so you know some messing with some of these can be a bit <laughs> a bit personal um and just kind of being in there so kind of you know guys at work um massive homophobes you know wandering into their dreams and just tweaking the scenery um until they're in kind of you know a really bad gay porno kind of situation and then watch them be squirm and be awkward for the next six months because you go in every couple of weeks and just tweak things um and then make the odd joke. Obviously, for me, I had the luxury with that particular person or several um, where you just you have the daytime where they don't know that you've been in their head 
um, and therefore can reveal certain comments that just kind of reinforce it into their conscious brain and then kind of see what's going on. Because the thing is, it will take its own form. So the first couple of times you go, you're having to do some, you know, meddling. But by the kind of, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth time you've been in there, the, the furniture's already been moved because you've started affecting their how they process certain information. So it's dangerous and we probably should have a massive disclaimer, but it's just one of those things where you're, you know, you are planting things into somebody's subconscious. From a spying point of view, it's useful. Um, but really fucking with people is probably, you know, the sorts of stuff that we would do that probably you shouldn't and we shouldn't be advising. But anyway, go on. Can you fit your story in there? I've got a good one. Minute or so we've got left? Yeah. Go on. Um, it, okay, so it says, I've Googled this, right? So going on before, obviously, the end of the first round. There's 27, uh, 27,375 days in the average lifespan. So that's essentially around about 27,000-ish, you know, dreams potentially, night sleep. So there is a theory that dreams are designed to prepare you for death so do you kind of see okay. the concept there i can just about so it's make a preparation that it's a training like uh, before you uh go and have a tennis match you bash the tennis ball against the wall to improve your hand-eye coordination the kind of a magical uh, equivalent of that well, anyway, we'll go into this in more detail because it's the end of the standard podcast now. Um, so we'll have to say goodbye. But in terms of obviously for the patrons, obviously I'll share my story of um with the dream walking and that because obviously mine's just as bad as Chris's causing her trouble. Um, but I'm wondering what the perspective is with that because obviously <laughs> when we talked about the Matrix films and we talked about that training ground being kind of like the dream world and then the actual matrix being kind of like the astral world then the the perspective of mastering yeah. astral projection mainly means mastering lucid dreaming doesn't it for a lot of people therefore there is an element of truth in that i think where are you going i had to close the door because there's too much noise I'll cut that bit oh, okay. But, um... <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so going on to my story, because we'll just leave people to mull that over. Um, my story, basically, I had a boss, older guy in his 50s, okay? Um... Yeah. And, uh... He... was one of those people which was... I don't know. He he was the boss, so you're supposed to do what they say in that. But obviously some people, you kind of want to put in their place so that they know that they can't kind of boss you about. But at the same time, physically threatening and beating the boss and that is probably a sackable offence. So what I thought Highly was, I thought, okay... Because I'm not a very violent person. Okay, I might do kickboxing and jujitsu, But in general, I'm not a very violent person, okay? I thought, if I used him as a punch bag in his dreams, 
that might actually carry over into the <laughs> physical world because obviously although it's his construct in his dream world he's not a witch or a magician or a magical practitioner so me dream walking into his dream world i can control it a hell of a lot more than he can because i got the mad skills to do that like because i is a bad witch and so what i would do Hashtag is i would go and i'd meet him a couple of nights a week i didn't do it every night because i'm not that you know i'm not that way inclined in terms of uh getting into that kind of a routine it wasn't that much of a problem but every now and then i'd think i i could do <laughs> generally speaking maybe when he did be a bit annoying in work okay on or when he was annoying and other people were complaining about him i thought well i don't want him picking on me i don't want him coming near me or trying to exert his authority over me so I thought, okay, what I'll do is I'll go there and I'll just manifest in front of them and punch them in the stomach. And then I'll just go away. Okay. And I started doing that. And obviously I've got a fair amount of experience like you with magical work in general. But I personally didn't do a huge amount of dream stuff, dream walking. It's never been one of, it's never really been my cup of tea. Um, but what I did start to notice over the next couple of weeks is every time I saw him like physically he'd just kind of step back or he'd just like it was it was subconscious so you know obviously the the dream was kind of he probably didn't even exactly see probably you in the dream really kind of yeah even think about it but obviously it was programmed to the point where it's almost like oh danger oh danger to that and it works out really rather well yeah. in the end because i just got completely left alone and it was just one of those things that it was quite therapeutic for me. It didn't really cause any problems for him. And it still gave me kind of what I wanted in the magical world. But you do have to be careful with that. Because remember, that is actually a psychological, you know, is psychologically programmed there. Attack. There is something that we kind of I altered a little bit in his psyche when it came to that. So, you know. Yep. I'm not recommending going and haunting people in their dreams and, um, you know, doing nasty things to them because it does have an impact. It's not just a game. This isn't a... What is it the kids play? Is it Need for Speed? One of those computer games where you go around killing prostitutes. You mean... You mean Grand Theft Auto? Grand Theft Auto, that's it. It's not Grand Theft Auto where these are all characters, you know, computer-generated characters. These are actually people. And messing about with people's dreams is messing about with deep aspects of their subconscious and their conscious mind. Their mind. You are messing about with their psyche at the end of the day. And you can cause a trouble with that. Um, also, if anyone's a listening and you're getting nightmares and that, that's pure coincidence and that has nothing to do with us. I don't want a load of bloody... <laughs> I don't want it... Because I've already had this. I had someone... Whining minis. I had one of our patrons actually say to me, have you been uh, spying on me because I saw you in one of my dreams? And I was like, I should be the one that's a little <laughs> bit creeped out you saying you dream of about me, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, um... No, I would have to say no. I haven't been spying on anyone. If I was needing spying, and if I did need to spy on a patron or whatever for whatever reason, I shan't be doing that myself. I've got things to do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like I said, most of my experience of this was during my teens. Yeah. But then, 
without sounding rude, a lot of the stuff that, um, you know, we talk about and set for homework is stuff we were doing in our teens. This is true. But, this is true. We're quite boring um, these days, though, aren't we, I suppose? We're very boring now. Yeah. We're old. Why do you think that is, though? Is it because the download's over? Well, I suppose it's a consciousness shift, isn't it, for starters? Or is it because we're responsible responsible mentors now? Is that what it is? We stopped long before we started mentoring people. This is true. Even on the small scale stuff. That's true. No, I think think we just... (laughs) Started waiting for the bigger fish to um, to come for it. Ah, uh, yeah. So we're talking bigger than the Norse problem and the Mesopotamian problem, or we're talking that sort of level? Um, the Norse problem is a bit more of a hiccup. <laughs> Mesopotamian problem, yes, I'd probably put on that list. Yeah, okay, I understand that. But, okay, um... All right, so where do you want to go with this? Because I'm feeling like we do every now and then throw a little podcast out there for a specific Patreon. And we kind of have to do something for Calypso, given that she did come up with the brilliant dream hangover concept. So um, what is it that we want to talk about for her? Because obviously she has an interest in... uh, Well, she's been doing scrying and stuff like that. She's also been talking about dream work. Um, but then there's also this yeah. whole kind of desert sea witchery kind of thing. And I know she does a lot of writing as well. Yeah, yeah. What are you eating? It's one of these... A burger. Are you just stuffing your face with burgers during the podcast? Yeah. For crying out loud, this, I'm is, a busy... this podcast is an hour long. I'm a busy long. guy. Can you seriously not stop eating for one hour? Fuck off, I haven't eaten all day. Right, okay. That's a lie, but I haven't eaten all day. Right, so where are we going with this? I think we need to push, one, a bit more about the protection. On the basis that explaining the interactions between, you know, conscious and subconscious, astral how easy it is to kind of slip from one to the other and kind of the general precautions that we normally give because i'm always a bit surprised how how easily some people's dreams get invaded um and as as a lot of our questions at the moment seem to be about grounding and protection and safe practice and sacred space it kind of feels like understanding where those rule, where those boundaries are, um, and how to better kind of maintain those. So, like what we were talking about yesterday, well, the other day with a different client, um, the archivist, we're dealing with that when we were dealing with that one, and kind of talking about kind of making sure. That if you are doing that kind of exploratory work, there is a safe zone. There mm. is a reception area that you prepare and use each time. Not because you have to, 
but just to allow that kind of safe measurable distance between where you want to go and waking body and it's just about protecting where your astral body is until you're fully aware of it and can shift your consciousness from one to the other with ease i think people forget that the astral body never goes away yeah and that actually just because you've let you've you know you're in this one doesn't mean the lights aren't still on in the other one so you know so and i don't think people experience them enough to actually understand that these all these bodies exist and operate even when you are not in the driver's seat yeah i've seen some problems with this with uh some people trying to bite off more than they can chew or just the unfortunate um natural witches that end up yeah you know growing up and then they haven't mastered any form of protection they start lighting up like a christmas tree and i have likened it a lot to street fighting i've pulled up in the past videos street fighting videos to explain this concept whereby okay you're there you're trying to defend yourself and then someone or something punches you and knocks you out what you need to remember is that knockout is you waking up in the physical world Okay, but what you also need to remember is whilst that person in that street fight is knocked out on the floor, there's still a kicking and a punching, yeah. right? And then when you, when that person wakes up from unconsciousness, the street fight, in hospital, they've got a lot more bruises than that one knockout punch. Now, the equivalent of yeah. that, obviously, is you getting involved in some sort of a skirmish or a astral battle and then waking up in your physical body, in the physical world, but then going back there astrally. And then when you wake up in your astral body, you find that your astral body is severely damaged. And if that is damaged, that will yeah. start to affect eventually your physical body as well. So for those that haven't yeah. listened to that one where we did, what was the one where we talked about? Was it seventh dimension living? The um, yeah, seventh dimensional living. That was um, Hitchhiker's Guide. Hitchhiker's to the Guide to Infinite. Yeah, yeah, that was all about the astral. Um, so we should probably expand on that and make it a little bit more relevant because yeah when you go out and do your gardening in your garden at home you're probably pretty safe yes some nasty person could break into the garden and that but it's is a lot less likely when you're out and about exploring rough areas in town in the astral world equivalent then bad things can happen so in terms of the defense mechanisms and how to defend yourself and stuff like that i suppose it does make sense that you do your checks and you be careful when you're going out and when you're coming back, okay? So when yeah. I tend to find most of the people that we've had recently, it's been, I've gone out a traveling in the dream state, dream walking or astral traveling, and then I get followed back home by a stalker, you see? So if you've got someone that's going for a walk in general in, in the mundane world... You would be careful when you're walking back at night to your house. You'd be looking over your shoulder. You'd be making sure that you do, if you're being followed, take a detour. You don't go straight back to your house. So yeah. really the equivalent what you were saying with that kind of um, 
waiting area reception kind of thing I've got my beach that I go to first and then go from there and then I go back to there before I go home because if I've got this place that I control this beach and I'm an astral traveling and then I go back to the beach before I wake up in my physical world when I'm back on that beach there should be no one or nothing else there so if there is something there I know that I've been followed back and I know, okay, yeah. wait a minute, I need to deal with this before I wake up into the physical world. So really it's getting you used to reinforcing a boundary. And generally, like I normally give people the homework with uh, when it comes to scrying or anything like this, I normally try to get them to um, go to an astral equivalent or the dream equivalent of their own house or somewhere that is their domain. Because it makes more sense that rather than creating some wonderful castle in the middle of nowhere on the astral, it makes sense that you should first start protecting and getting used to the astral part of your physical place. So the astral part of the physical world. So what I think they'd call real-time astral protection, because it's quite close to the physical world. So you're basically just transferring from your astral from your conscious body, physical body, to your astral body in the same room. You want to fortify and sense the energy in that place. So I always start with their house because that should be protected. And that's the thing. And what people forget is that once you start to start doing this work, that needs to be in the foundation as before you really, you know, when you're starting off, because that kind of practice allows a safe practice a to and a from a safety zone etc like you know with the dream walking like i was talking before you could you know be wandering through a bunch of mundanes that doesn't mean that there isn't someone already feeding at one of those mundanes and then goes oh there's a bigger snack there let's follow it home so you know there is that kind of you know being safety aware Um, And considering that, because at the end of the day, as soon as you start to cross and push into your astral body more, it will become more obvious that that is different. Most mundanes do not use or interact with with their astral body. That's what's so different about us. So when that there is a conscious mind in an astral body, that sends out a little ripple around the space that you are in astrally to let other things know that you are there so you know it's not to dissuade you from actually doing it because this is really good practice for you to be be as aware if you're going to be practicing real magic and i don't mean the kind of insta witch stuff i mean if you're going to start prodding and poking things particularly with the next you know with the next witch wars and doing a lot more kind of evocation, uh, invocation work. If you're going to be giving those opportunities a good go, as you well should be, then you need to be thinking about your safety procedures the same way you would with any other spell. So, you know, even the Wiccans uh, are casting those circles, um, maybe incorrectly, but, you know, they're casting them. So at least they are giving some thought to their protective aspect of that sacred space so you know moving that on into okay well i'm 
not only creating magical spaces in the physical and then also creating them in in other um, realms of existence you're starting to open up other doorways and and flash in places that not many people go um, at once so you know they're not places that are heavily populated um, because you know most of these astral bodies are pretty much sleeping the whole time because mundanes don't interact with them so you know when one starts picking up and moving around um you know it's a lot easier to notice i tend to liken a lot of the what you see in the books and in um kind of taught very often by the wiccans and the ceremonial magicians and all that kind of stuff a lot of the stuff from the golden dawn and all that it reminds me a lot of self-defense it's self-defense it's like self-defense classes and this is what you need to remember in self-defense classes, like the ones that they do, they do women's self-defense classes at the local community centers and the like, where you get a bunch of women that show up and then they're taught to defend themselves, normally against a male attacker. They normally have some token man that's wearing, a, you know, um, some souped-up jacket with pads and that, that they're all supposed to kick and punch and tiger claw and all that kind of thing. And you've got to think, okay, so... The instructor normally goes a little bit how they, how you punch, this is how you punch, this is how you tiger claw, this is it. Or if someone grabs you on the shoulder, this is how you swing around and that. It's all supposed to be little things that you memorize and you do. And they're designed to counter very specific things. The problem is, is that, yes, that is, I suppose, protection. That is, I suppose, self-defense. But... When it comes to that Friday night and you're going out down the club with your friends and the six foot three boxer comes and thinks, I want some of that and grabs you, your self-defense isn't going to work. Because what you're talking about there is you're talking about someone that's bigger, stronger and a better fighter than you. You don't stand a chance. Your self-defense and protective magic that you've learned only protects against the inept all of these charms all of them all of them all of these charms and little protective rituals and stuff they only protect against the super low level spirits and the inept practitioners because when you get past the super basics what you start to realize then is that it's all about intelligence it's all about workarounds it's all about being able to sense and then work out vulnerabilities. If someone's got blockades around their house, then you work a way around that, right? Now, a lot of this kind of self-defense that I see taught in uh, community centers and that, it is literally a, memorize this. Don't you feel safer now? Yes, you do feel safer, well done. You've managed to throw that man that's wearing the pads that's not fighting back on the floor. What you're gonna do then, I don't know. Presumably run away in your high heels, love. You know, this kind of thing, I don't like it. What we're abdicating is we're saying most of this stuff that you need to realise is it doesn't matter. It will not work. What you need to do if you're worried about protection in the physical world is to learn several different martial arts systems and maybe carry a taser with you and maybe not walk into dodgy areas on your own. That makes sense. That's logical. Okay. 
In the Magikor world, what you need to remember is the more powerful you become and the more knowledgeable you become as a magical practitioner and a witch, the more workarounds you're able to find for problems, the more you're able to pull on that knowledge and power and energy to defend yourself, okay? And although we do kind of try and teach protective magic and do little courses and little day you know day courses and things like that with it most of it's designed to really teach your problem solving and how you can apply the laws and understanding and principles of magic to protection or to defense or to attack even or to psychic work or to this or to money or to health or to that you know that's what you need to remember with this kind of thing and that's what too many people are forgetting too many people is about oh well i've learned this spell is there a more powerful spell well how does the spell work i don't know i just i just copy the spell works by this i mean it's important i mean in my paradigm when i cast a circle nothing can get past that boundary nothing can do it if i surround myself in that nice white light that egg because there's always a fucking egg in it Nothing can get past that, can it? Until the time when something does get past it and then your egg is scrambled on some toast while this spirit is eating you. Yeah, it comes down to the most basic of language. It is the fact that at the end of the day, it's called witchcraft. Yes. It's a craft. So once you get to the level of, uh, you know, um, kind of mastery level of a craft... All you're doing is problem solving and being able to acknowledge and foresee mistakes before they happen and make changes in order to avoid them or if they have happened to correct them. So, you know, that's when you get to the point where you are actually a capable craftsman or woman, um, you are in that position of being able to spot the mistakes of other craftsmen uh, problem solve any any problem within your craft and obviously that you're able to fix anything that has gone wrong and that's where you're aiming to be is that kind of mastery of craft so or at least if you're really going to go for this that's what you should be considering is a master of your version of that craft at the end of the day there are core principles which is what we're trying to talk about in to make sure that you've got covered your foundational magic um but the rest of it is is there open for you to explore push your craft as far as you possibly can so we've kind of gone slightly off t- tangent there but um we've only got a few minutes left is We're there bringing anything it all you back around, i think it really starts with the sensitivity and the seeing and the understanding yeah. that because doing protective spells and doing any form of spells if you cannot see the effect they're going to have or whether they're powerful enough or this and that is kind of guessing and is kind of futile you know you're you're basically just hoping that it kind of works and when you when you attach that to protection as what a lot of people when they start off do they start off going from okay so which is the most powerful protective spell can i do this can i do that oh, well that's got some sort of ancient thing oh that will see an eye or oh, maybe i can use that or oh, maybe i can use this that kind of thing so you know what is it that you can do practically and uh 
it's funny actually because in a minute we're doing that Fausty Witches show, Chris, aren't we? So I don't know how far yeah. into the future these people are listening on the podcast, but um, the Fausty Witches show tonight we're supposed to be doing charms, and I think I might be ending up ruffling a few feathers because I am gonna try and make a big thing about charms ain't shit. Charms are things that you buy from a magical practitioner that another magical practitioner has done or you make yourself generally to counter a specific problem. I'm thinking we might yeah, have to do a it's a whole it's podcast on what, charms. Yeah, it's going back to what you were saying before, isn't it? That when you create and craft something for for a specific purpose, that is the best that those small small spells um and small rituals can can achieve and the same with charms it is that thing of kind of going okay um what can you achieve in this small small arrangement that you've got there and and you're stuck you're stuck beyond that without you understanding how the function works how does crafting that thing happen you know how does it work how does it operate um, you know, we always jump back to the triangle, but it's do you understand any spell, any any ritual working? Um, you should be able to get to the point where it is sensory. It is about how far can you sense into what bodies can you reach into? You know, we spend a lot of time talking about the astral body, but it's not the only body you have. It's probably the only one that you will get used to actually being in the driver's seat for. But there are other bodies that are of access to you. Um, you know, when we go back to the seventh dimensional living next part, um, that will probably cover that a little bit more. But it is just a case of actually understanding that the better you have a sensory understanding and can reach out to your other spaces, the easier all of this becomes. Um, you know, is because you preempt something before it happens. So why would you need protection if if your early warning system always prepares you for it? So then you tackle the problem when the problem happens. Not hundreds and hundreds of different protection charms to all protect a specific kind of method. Um, but I think that's all we've got time for, isn't it? Haven't we got to jump straight over? Yeah, we're going to have to. I'm literally logged into the studio for the first witcher. So that'll be quite interesting. We'll have to do a carry on and talk a little bit about charms. So that is it for this week of the podcast. Thank you and good night. Well, that was it for this edition of the podcast. But just one thing that I'd like to add to you patrons. Obviously, we are currently in the middle of Witch Wars 3. So I know some of you have already started with it and are making good progress. However... If anyone requires any help with this, bearing in mind we're not going to give you the answers, but if anyone does want some sort of coaching or to talk to us about which wars free or are considering entering and haven't actually entered yet because you're a little bit worried or want more details, then please make sure you contact either me or Chris. And then what we'll do is we will set up a little video conference kind of meeting so best of luck to all of you who are already working on Witch Wars 3. If you're listening in the future, then uh, well done for everyone who took part in Witch Wars 3. 
and uh, yeah so essentially if you need help obviously please remember we are here and we'll do our best to help you but we're not going to make it too easy of course bye everyone